everyone. I'm Tiffany Wingfield, Director of Member Relations and the ASHP Staff Liaison of the Pharmacy Technician Forum here at ASHP. Thanks for joining. I am excited to share with you that today's episode is a curated feature focusing on topics important to pharmacy technicians from the exceptional programming from the 2022 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting. Please enjoy the voices of your colleagues as they share the latest clinical information, leadership advice, and best practices in the practice of pharmacy. All right, so first off, why focus on advanced roles? Well, I look across the room today and I see a lot of very engaged pharmacy professionals. I see pharmacists, I see technicians, and many of us have traveled great distances to be here today. And I imagine that one of the things that most of us hope to get out of this conference is that we can take some new and innovative uh, information that we get from some of our colleagues across the country and potentially take this back to um, our own health systems and potentially use it to expand our own scope of practice. Um, however, um, if you only focus on uh, adding to your own plate and adding to your own pharmacist workload by expanding your own practice and don't find some kind of ways to either offload some of your responsibilities or delegate properly to pharmacy technicians, really what you're going to do is just push yourself closer and closer to burnout. Um, so really uh, what I want to emphasize on this slide here today is um, Pharmacists and technicians, we need to be pushing together. We both need to be try, trying to expand our scope of practices together. And the best way to do that on the technician side is really to focus on those advanced roles. Uh, some examples of, of advanced roles that I've shared here uh, from the outpatient setting, it's a real easy example to pull uh, technician ability to immunize. Uh, that was something new that came up. Uh, very few states prior to the pandemic had that as an option for pharmacy technicians. In the inpatient world, uh, technician product verification is another great place where technicians can continue to advance their own practice in order to kind of help balance the workload as pharmacists and technicians are both working to expand their scope of practice. All right, so let's start off with some definitions before we get too far. Uh, obviously, this is a presentation on career ladder. So what is a career ladder? It is a series of jobs from lower paid with lower responsibility to higher paid with higher responsibility. It is, and graphically you can see there, you think about a ladder, right? It's very vertical in nature. You've got two ways to go. You can go up or you can go down. As an alternative to career ladder, you can think about the concept of a career lattice. Uh, we at MU Healthcare definitely take this approach to our technician career ladder. We definitely have more of a lattice. The big distinction here is it doesn't just allow for vertical movement throughout an organization or profession, but also allows for horizontal as well as diagonal movement. And really what this allows you to do is it really allows you to focus on finding the best fit for your employees versus simply just trying to, to, to work on getting you know, technicians elevated and promoting high performers. It really allows you again to kind of move them throughout your organization to find where they, they uh, have a best fit. So to further illustrate this example and kind of illustrate why, why we at MU Healthcare prefer the uh, career lattice approach, um, I'm going to share a principle that's been around since the 1960s. It's called the Peter Principle. You can think of an employee who is a very high performer, and what happens with a high performer, you know, you can, in the career ladder model, you give them a promotion, right? They move up to the next spot. And then they're well, they do well there, right? So you move up, up to the next spot, and you continue to promote them until what happens? You get them into a position where they're no longer a high performer, right? Um, so really, then you start to multiply that across your organization. What, unfortunately, you can end up with is an organization full of people who have been promoted too far, right, because your only focus was on that upward mobility and not on that best fit. All right, final definition I want to share today is career path. So think about this as kind of the individualized journey through someone's career lattice or career ladder. 
Um, and this can be either a historical account of where they've been, what they've done, or it can also be part of the planning process for what's in store for that uh, employee's future. Okay, so now we've got definitions out of the way. I do want to say for the rest of my portion of the presentation, I'm going to use the term career ladder. Again, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that a career ladder or a career lattice is most appropriate for your organization. You guys will have to take that uh, upon yourselves to make that decision. So I'm going to use the term career ladder. Just know that I'm going to use those two terms pretty relatively interchangeably the rest of the way. All right, so what are some of the benefits of career ladders? Uh, development of well-trained staff, incentivizing professional growth, improving employee retention, increasing employee engagement. Career ladders also aid in employee recruitment. We'll touch on that later. And one thing I'm probably not going to touch on again, so I'll elaborate on this one right now, is also the idea of reducing bias. So what does it mean that career ladders reduce bias within your department? I'm going to share an example. So say your uh, pharmacy department has just one job code, one job title, one job description for your pharmacy technicians. Everyone's got the same description, same relative level of pay. But within your pharmacy, you have to place daily drug orders, and of your 20 technicians, you identify three that are very well suited for that particular task. And so throughout your department, you say pretty much, okay, these are the three technicians I feel comfortable placing my orders every day. Where does that leave your other 17? Your other 17 employees who are basically being denied the opportunity to do that task, that's where the idea of bias comes in. And what career ladders can do, obviously, by creating more formalized positions, really removes that potential for bias in your organization. All right, so let's talk specifically about some of the benefits of career ladders in healthcare. We'll think about career ladders as an employee engagement tool. There's a lot of really good data and really good studies out there about what some of the impacts are for increasing employee engagement in healthcare. Uh, what are some of those benefits? Improved quality of care, enhanced financial performance of the institution, increased patient safety, as well as elevation of the patient experience. I can tell you from experience, there's not too many initiatives that I take on in my day-to-day uh, work life that can hit on all four of those at the same time. All right, so let's talk about what makes a career ladder successful. Here's eight successful elements. I'm going to list them here. I'll talk about most of them in detail as we continue. The first one is that successful career ladders should constantly be involving. These should not be static documents. Um, successful career ladders should allow for both horizontal as well as uh, vertical movement. Career ladders should contain formalized positions with distinct job titles and distinct job descriptions. You should have plenty of proper training and competencies built in so that as your uh, employees progress through the career ladder, um, they are well prepared to be successful. Uh, successful career ladders really again should focus on this concept of best fit versus just solely rewarding the high performers within your organization. This career ladders should also be incentivizing professional growth. In order for them to be successful, you need buy-in. Your employees need to buy in. Your organization needs to buy in. And a successful career ladder should also contain clearly de defined paths to advancement. It should be very easy for someone in a technician role to look at your career ladder and know exactly what it's going to take to get to the next step. All right, so before I get into some of the, the uh, details on you know, kind of how to build out and develop your technician career ladder, I do want to say I'm not providing this content today in sort of a step-by-step -step approach. This isn't step one, step two, step three. We're not baking a cake. Um, instead, what I want to do is just kind of list these out as components. So you may find at various times you don't have to go through all six of these particular steps based upon what you've done previously, how recently you've done some of these things. So again, I'm just going to provide this as just six different components. And as the need comes up for you to develop your technician career ladder, you can refer back to these components. All right, component one, it's hard to develop something and improve on something if you don't know what you've currently got, right? So really the first step is to do a self-assessment. You need to figure out what your current state is. So 
this is going to be just kind of an exercise of building out what that current technician career ladder looks like so you know what your starting point is. Now, some organizations possibly have done a really good job at this and maybe you already have some kind of a document or a spreadsheet or just something that they can point to and say, yeah, there's our technician career ladder. There it is. Um, many of us don't. You know, it's something that we really didn't have one at MU Healthcare until very recently um, as far as just kind of that well-defined defined graphic. Um, but to get started on this and to do your self-assessment, first I'd encourage you to uh, inventory all of your current technician job descriptions. So what are all those jobs within your health system that require a pharmacy technician license in order to perform them? Get all those job descriptions, put them all in the same place. You can put them in a spreadsheet, you can put them on a whiteboard, you can put them in a Word document. I don't care where you put them, just put them somewhere where they're all together. And then as you're doing that, you kind of you start to identify what are those minimum requirement distinctions between all the different jobs you have. Uh, is there differences in training necessary to perform the job? Is there differences in you know, certification or credentials that are required? And also the compensation, right? As we talked about, kind of the basic uh, layout of a, of a career ladder, it's the highest portions of the ladder, right? That's the highest responsibility as well as the highest pay, right? So in order to do an accurate self-assessment, you also need to have all of your compensation data. And then you start to put them in the same, all in the same spot, right? Start to organize them, start to put them all together, start to put the highest paid, highest responsibilities at the top, lowest paid, lowest responsibilities at the bottom. I'd also encourage you to kind of create some vertical tracks throughout your, it depends on how big your department is, right? I mean, how big is your pharmacy enterprise? Are you a small health system? Are you a large health system? Do you have a big inpatient presence, a big outpatient presence? If you have these multiple different areas where you're utilizing pharmacy technicians, I'd also encourage you to, as you're developing this career ladder from a graphical perspective, to also kind of create those vertical tracks within it. So here would be a logical progression, for example, if I want to be a dispensing technician, this is the logical progression from one to two to three, right? And then also if you're going through this exercise and if your health system has turnover data readily available for you, I would certainly encourage you to incorporate that in your assessment as well. That really allows you to, to identify where some of those job codes are that you see the biggest turnover. All right, so that was really just the exercise of figuring out what your current state was, right? So now how are you going to improve on that and how are you going to do further development of your technician career ladder? Well, you can identify opportunities in many areas, but if you're going to be very intentional about it, I've identified three here that I would encourage you to consider. So first of all, review a list of informal roles. Well, I gave the example before about our department that's got 20 pharmacy technicians all with the same job code, all with the same job description, right? We, we called out the fact that there's these three pharmacy technicians that get to place the orders every day, right? If that is a big enough job and requires a specialized skill set to do it, why not make that a formalized rule, right? You know, why not create a buyer position for those folks? Another example, and I'm going to use a fictional pharmacy technician named Sally. I'm going to use her a couple different times throughout this presentation, but just imagine you have a fictional pharmacy technician named Sally. She's an experienced technician who's been tasked to perform controlled substance audits in acute care areas. Is there an opportunity there, right? Is that role that she's playing by doing these controlled substance audits, does it take enough of her time? Does it take enough bandwidth? Does it require a specialized skill set? Can you formalize that instead of just utilizing somebody who's got the same job code and job description as everybody else? Can you potentially formalize that and create a position such as a controlled substance diversion technician? A next place to find opportunities for expansion of your career ladder would be to identify health system gaps. I'm going to use an MU Healthcare example to, to elaborate on this point here, which is uh, we had clinics uh, pre-2015, pre so this is about seven years ago. All of our prior authorizations were being done by really overworked clinic nurses, right? I mean, nurses in clinics are very busy people. They're trying to juggle quite a bit to keep those clinics going. 
So to think that they were, had the proper bandwidth really to do pre-authorizations well and do them efficiently obviously was not playing out. We were seeing a very high rate of resubmissions. We were seeing high denial rates. Turnaround times were growing and growing. And so leadership at the time created a new advanced technician role and created a team of seven uh, specialized pharmacy technicians. We call them pre-authorization PMLs. I just put pre-authorization specialists on here. You can call them what you want. But effectively, this is a team of advanced technicians that was able to step in and fill that health system gap. So, so what are those health system gaps you know, in your health system? You know, it's going to vary based upon you know, what your organizational structure looks like. Sometimes you can't really do an analysis and find these things really easily, but sometimes those opportunities just fall in your lap. Maybe somebody comes to you and says, hey, I have a problem. Can you help me solve it? Ask yourself, is potentially an advanced technician role potentially part of the solution? And the final area I would encourage you to seek out as far as trying to identify opportunities to expand your technician career ladders is look at your own department growth. Where are you growing? What are those areas that you're investing more resources? What are those business plans you've got in progress? What are you trying to do currently? And is there an opportunity to incorporate some uh, advanced technician rules in that business plan? All right, so now it's time to put pen to paper, right? We've uh, created a current state document. We've got our um, opportunities identified. Maybe you've decided that you're going to add a couple uh, advanced roles and, and new job descriptions. So you have to write the job descriptions, right? So I am not an expert on writing job descriptions, and I'm not going to spend any more than two bullet points on this topic, except that this good job descriptions have very clear expectations, and that the listed duties within those job descriptions really should spell out what makes this position special, what is this person truly going to be doing during their day. All right, and this next topic here is going to be a soapbox moment for me. Um, so titles matter. I would encourage you as you're developing new pharmacy technician roles and creating new positions within your department, be descriptive and be creative. Why is that? Well, there's research out there, job titles that indicate a higher status or a higher responsibility or, or whatnot. Increase employee job satisfaction, improve employee performance, and decrease turnover. So what does that look like practically? Well, I, th I think about myself. You know, what do I identify as? I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a pharmacist. I introduce myself as retail pharmacy manager when I shake someone's hand, right? So that becomes a little bit of who I am. Now think about our technician, Sally, that I uh, shared with you earlier who got that controlled substance position. It's the holiday season, right? So what are we all going to do during the holidays? We're going to get together with our family. Some people um, haven't seen their family in a year, right? You see them one time a year. You sit at the Christmas dinner table. What happens if Sally's Uncle Stanley says, Sally, what are you up to nowadays? Where are you working? What are you doing? Uh, well, if Sally's answer is, I'm a pharmacy technician at the hospital. Okay, well, that's not very descriptive, right? You know, what do you do there? What's, what's the next question? Um, maybe he just leads it at that. Maybe he thinks a pharmacy technician is what he sees in a retail setting because that's all he's been exposed to, right? So now maybe say you put Sally in that formalized role. You gave her the title of controlled substance diversion tech. And at the dinner table, when she gets asked, hey, what do you do? I'm a controlled substance diversion tech at the hospital. Uncle Stanley's like, whoa, hey, what is that? That sounds cool. Tell me more about that, right? When we create very vanilla job titles and give people very vanilla descriptions to what they're doing and what value they leave to us, we really leave a lot on the table when we miss an opportunity to really create job titles that can really sort of enhance their sense of identity that they get from their job. All right, component number four. So you've got these job descriptions written, you've created these positions, now you better make sure that once your employees get there, they're gonna be successful, right? So we gotta train them. The important concept here is that your employees want to succeed. 
Um, got a couple pieces of data here I'm going to share, but 2021 Gallup survey, 57% of employees say they are very or extremely interested in upskilling programs. So by upskilling, that just means uh, they're interested in taking on additional training programs that might open up new opportunities and give them new skills, right? That 57% jumps to 71% if we, I'm talking on behalf of a leader, as an organization, I'm willing to compensate the employee for it. So if I'm willing to compensate them for their time, if I'm willing to, to pay the cost of any training um, outside of uh, the health system, that number again jumps to 71%. And the really eye-opening statistic for me as someone who is a hiring manager struggling to fill out all my open technician vacancies is that 65% consider the opportunity for upskilling very or extremely important when deciding to take a new job. That was an eye-opening thing for me because I never really thought about the idea of a training program being a recruiting tool. But that's basically what this data is telling us, that you can actually use a robust training program as potentially a recruiting tool. All right, so good, well-built-out training programs. I'm not going to spend enough, a lot of time on how to do because I've run out of time probably today. But uh, good training program benefits, increased wages, increased promotion opportunities, increased job satisfaction, increased retention. And this last one removes concerns about underqualification. What does that mean? Think about being a brand new pharmacy technician walking into your health system with no previous uh, pharmacy experience, and they see uh, some folks, some of their colleagues, taking on some of these advanced roles. Let's just say serial compounding, let's say medication history technicians, whatever that is. They may not be able to see themselves in those positions because they might think to themselves, well, I don't know how the heck I'd ever get to do that. That person obviously must know a lot, right? So, a good training program, and if you know you have a good training program, your, your employees have confidence that you've got training figured out and you've got a robust program, really removes that fear and anxiety that some of your employees might feel about the idea of promoting up through that technician career ladder. All right, so once they're in those positions, you've got them trained up, you hope that they do well, right? We want to see them succeed. Employees don't want to fail, right? And so competency is really, it's just a way to formalize the feedback mechanism. So if you however, unfortunately, have technicians who are performing jobs that maybe they weren't very well trained for, or they're not really deemed to be competent at, what are some of those drawbacks, right? Well, that could definitely pose a patient safety risk. Um, you know, we're all healthcare professionals in the room. I don't think I need to elaborate on the importance of that point. But from a technician perspective, if they are um, either under-trained or, or not prepared for the job that you've put them in, and you're not checking back with them and giving them the feedback that they need to grow, what does that cause the technician experience to be? Well, they could feel very frustrated and they are more likely to leave your organization, right? So just remember your employees want feedback and so as you develop your technician career ladder, don't overlook the importance of competencies and this should not just be a one-time checkoff that says, this employee is good at their job, they're good to go, let's leave them alone now. This should be something that you touch back on and have ongoing competencies for. All right, so you need buy-in. Um, so Employee buy-ins first, you know, as a health system leader, the last thing I want to do is do all this work to develop what I think is a really great idea that my employees are going to like, but then leave them out of the process and find out that they're not happy about it, right? So really to keep the employee buy-in, it's very important that you include technicians in the development of your technician career letters. You can include them in a lot of different ways in that process. You can uh, you know, conduct surveys, you can form focus groups, you can you know, have them form committees, but whatever you do, just make sure that they have a seat at the table and they have an active role. And then for those who aren't actively participating in the development of these technician career ladders, it's important that you're transparent with your entire department to say, hey, 
these are the changes we're making, this is why we're making this, this is what we're hoping to accomplish. Also think about now you've done all this work to build out a career ladder, you, you're, you're proud of your work, your, your department is proud of your work, but now you need to share that, right? You really need to promote the fact that this is something that you've done, this is something you've got. So this is something that I would say right now, I'm not really good at doing this, but this is something I'm committed to take forward uh, and do a better job at, which is to share the technician career ladders that we've worked hard to develop during the interview process. If I'm interviewing somebody for an entry-level pharmacy technician position, how big of a recruiting tool could that be for me to turn that person into a yes when I make a job offer? If they know that once they get there, I'm gonna help them not only be successful in that position I'm hiring them into, I'm also gonna potentially help advance them to other positions that they might find more interesting later in their career. So if I'm giving them a copy or showing them a copy of our technician career ladder and I'm speaking to it from the interview perspective, now they show up at work the first few you know, days, weeks, month. Another opportunity to share your technician career ladder is during your orientation. So can you share that document? Can you make the orientation process include a discussion of not only are you currently filling this role, but this is also what you could potentially move into in the future. And this next point here, this is more about, um, you know, just, just making sure that this is something we all celebrate, right? I really want to call out the fact that, you know, if you do a good job and you do an adequate job of really giving your technicians a lot of options within your organization, you've created a really well-built-out lattice. I, I find myself, and even my organization, um, we tend to, to celebrate promotions, right? Somebody moves up, let's celebrate that, let's share that. How good of a job do we all do at celebrating horizontal moves? I don't think we typically think of that as something that needs to be celebrated sometimes because if someone's not a good fit where they're at and they move into a position where maybe leadership or maybe they think they're going to be a better fit for, we just kind of keep that quiet, right? We don't really do much to celebrate that. At least I know I haven't done a very good job of that in my time in leadership. But um, celebrate horizontal moves, right? If you're going to look at your career ladder as this employee engagement tool and something that's going to help you retain employees and keep them more satisfied, why not celebrate the horizontal movements as well? And then of course take that career ladder and also include that in your formal uh, evaluation process. Most health systems will have you evaluate employees quarterly, you know, annually, whatever that is. Include the uh, career path in that discussion. All right, and then the second key stakeholder group is health system leadership. Obviously, if what you're gonna propose is gonna involve new job titles, new salaries, new wages, you gotta have your health system leadership buy into this idea as well. So we've already talked about what the benefits of the career ladders are, right? The, the generic benefits of career ladders, which is, you know, improves quality and enhances patient safety. But if I'm in leadership, I wanna know about the dollars. What is this gonna cost me? You're asking me to create new positions. You're asking me to change my compensation structure. You're asking me to pay your employees differently. How much is this going to cost me? Well, as you're making your argument to health system leadership about the benefits of building out a more robust technician career ladder, talk to them about some of the reductions that you would expect to see, right? What are those reductions? Well, we would expect to see decreased cost of turnover. We would expect to see decreases in overtime utilization. And I'll share from the 2022 ASHP uh, pharmacy technician shortage survey that they put out there, 97% of healthcare or pharmacy administrators admit to using overtime as an incentive to fill open shifts, right? We're all paying overtime. It's something we have to do just to keep the, the doors open. Um, what can we do to build out these technician teams to reduce some of our shortages and stop paying so much overtime? 
And this last point, retention drives efficiency. I think, you know, I don't know about your health system, mine has labor metrics, right? We have to live up to some kind of labor metric. What's our output? How many hours do I get to utilize as part of uh, my staffing model? If I have a pharmacy that needs one pharmacist and three technicians, for example, and those three technicians all have 20 years of experience, that could be pretty efficient, right? If I have the same pharmacy that's trying to do that with technicians who, because of turnover and my inability to really retain my employees and keep them well-trained, I've got three technicians all with six months of experience, that's gonna be a different level of efficiency, right? So as we're trying to drive efficiency and talk about how can I, as a manager of my department, meet these expectations for labor metrics, I could push the button of retention drive efficiency. All right, final component I want to share is about the, the internal re, or the uh, formal and informal review process. So technician letters I mentioned, in order to be successful, they have to constantly be evolving. These cannot be static documents. Um, health system pharmacy rapidly evolves, right? We know that our, our landscape and, and our jobs are changing very rapidly. We know that the pharmacy technician job market changes rapidly. We've seen that in the last couple of years. I don't know about your health system or your job. I've worked for corporations. I've worked for many employers. My HR processes are never as fast as I want them to be, right? So if I wait too long to tackle this, if I wait too long to develop this and I wait until I have a problem and think that my technician career ladder development is going to solve my problem, it's probably not going to be a solution fast enough for me. Last concept I want to leave you with here is that there's never a bad time to review your technician career ladder. All right, I'm going to finish my portion of the presentation right where I left off, which is that Pharmacists and technicians will achieve more to advance the profession by pushing together in the same direction. Uh, and to continue that conversation on scope of practice, I'm going to turn it over to one of our amazing pharmacy technicians, Kayla Hodges. Again, she is a certified pharmacy technician on our pharmacy business team. Thank you guys. So now that we have discussed the benefits and the components of a career ladder, I would like to talk more in depth about technician roles. So uh, we will discuss my personal career path as well as technician roles at University of Missouri Healthcare. So we're going to look at six different um, type of roles that technicians are filling in pharmacy. So I want you to think about how technician roles have evolved over the last 15 years. So I started as a pharmacy technician at a small independent retail pharmacy in 2006. So um, my role was pretty much answer phones, fill prescriptions, right? Um, sure, we had other tasks, bag tagging, helping with DME, things like that. But really, we were there to fill prescriptions. Pharmacy technician roles have evolved immensely since then, presenting a unique opportunity uh, to create new positions within your pharmacy. So the first one we're going to look at is acute care. So in the past, technicians were essential in medication preparation and delivery. As times have evolved, technicians have taken a more significant leadership role, resulting in lead technician or uh, technician coordinator positions, as well as clinical roles, including medication history and uh, infusion technicians. For ambulatory care, so I touched on this just a minute ago, right? Technicians are no longer just simply filling prescriptions. Technicians have a unique knowledge of medications and insurance plans, allowing them to effectively complete prior authorizations and patient assistance requests, which in turn greatly reduces pharmacist and nurse staffing burdens and optimizes patient health outcomes. 
Technicians are also trained and highly qualified in identifying patients that may benefit from pharmacist interventions to improve health outcomes through pharmacist-led patient medication therapy programs and services. Also, even more recently, technicians are crucial in the successful delivery of medications to the bedside, as well as coordinating billing and delivery of infusions. Technology and automation. So as health systems continue to rely more and more on automation with automatic dispensing cabinets and carousels, pharmacy technicians are becoming a more integral part of implementing and managing those dispensing technologies. Technicians are also becoming skilled in informatics. Purchasing and finance. So as pharmacy evolves, technicians have a more robust role than just ordering medication. With medication shortages and the elaborate financial structures that impact medication orders, pharmacy technicians can serve as important resources for a healthcare pharmacy um, or pharma healthcare system or pharmacy to help manage inventory and make strong purchasing decisions. Compliance and auditing. So technicians can provide benefit in the compliance and auditing sector by performing controlled substance diversion monitoring, like Tom had spoke about, 340B and or financial compliance, such as retail payer audits and revenue recovery. Supervisory. So supervisory role are somewhat new to a technician's scope of practice. Common areas technicians are starting to have a more active role in are scheduling, training, and operations or workflow management. All right, so um, I'm gonna share some statistics with you from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So in 2020, there was just over 419,000 pharmacy technician jobs with a uh, job outlook over the next 10 years of 4%. Now that is just 1% lower than the, the average for all other occupations. And despite that limited employment growth, uh, there it is expected um, for 31,700 openings for pharmacy technicians projected each year over the next decade. They do project that that is for um, people either exiting the labor force, such as retiring or switching occupations altogether. Thanks so much for listening in today. Be sure to follow us at ASHP Official wherever you listen to podcasts and check back soon to hear more featurettes from the 2022 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting. Until then, this is Tiffany Wingfield from ASHP Official and thank you for all that you do for your patients.